It's Friday, April 26th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're diving into the Belt and Road Initiative, China's big plan to build new trade routes around the globe. Some countries are cheering. Others are raising red flags. We'll explain why. Then, President Trump spoke to the NRA today, which has been going through a rough time. We'll give you the details. And finally, runners are going green at this weekend's London Marathon. Sea green. We're here to make your Friday smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Delta. Delta flies to 300 cities around the world. Big number. Big news day. Let's dive in. The most complicated story today is about something called the Belt and Road Initiative. It's a Chinese thing, and you might have seen it mentioned in the news recently. Basically, it's a massive infrastructure project that China's pitching to a bunch of countries around the world to connect them all in a kind of network of ports and roads to boost global trade. Today, representatives from over 100 countries gathered in Beijing to get a bit more clarity from China's President Xi Jinping. He told them we need to pursue open, green, and clean cooperation, and that Belt and Road is not an exclusive club. That's because a lot of people have a lot of questions about what Belt and Road is actually doing and what they'd actually be signing up for. We're going to get into what Belt and Road is, how people are reacting to it, and why people in the U.S. are concerned. Okay, so the Belt and Road Initiative is kind of like part two of the Silk Road. The Silk Road was the network of trade routes across Asia dating back to the B.C. years. It first connected the East, specifically China, to countries in the West, like in West Africa and Europe. Basically, the Silk Road made global commerce a thing. Suddenly, people in Europe and Africa could sell precious metals like gold and products like glass to people in Asia in exchange for spices and jade and, yeah, Chinese silk. Silk was very hot among the ruling class. So the Silk Road was about getting the goods. Right now, to get goods fast, most are flown from place to place. But that's expensive. So President Xi Jinping of China wants to reopen those land and sea routes. The belt, a belt and road, refers to routes on the ground. And confusingly, road actually refers to shipping routes on the sea, maritime roads. What it means is brand new railways, new shipping ports, new long distance roads, and also new airports. Those upgrades will get goods from Asia to Europe and also to Africa and Latin America faster. That saves money on trade, especially for smaller, poorer countries. Belt and Road would link up over 70 countries. That's over a third of the world's nations. If you want to get an idea for what this all looks like, maps of the potential network kind of look like those billboards that detectives on Law & Order use to map out their cases with the thumbtacks and the strings. There are connections everywhere. So this is a huge, complicated project and very expensive. Experts say it could cost up to a trillion dollars. But the idea is that it will boost the global economy. And so everyone will get a bite of the apple. But in order to get in on it, China is asking countries to front some money. And critics say that's a huge red flag. Because some of these countries are in major debt. They want to get in on Belt and Road so they can improve their economies. But in order to do that, they're having to ask China for a loan. That can come with strings. A few years ago, China helped finance a new major port in Sri Lanka. But that project didn't work out. 
and Sri Lanka couldn't pay China back the money. To clear the debt, in 2017, the government essentially handed that port over to China on a 99-year lease. Now China's the landlord, and Sri Lanka is paying them rent. Critics look to that and think China is looking to do that everywhere. They're calling it a new kind of colonialism, kind of like how Great Britain used its power to take over entire countries back in the day. But other experts say those concerns are overblown, that in reality, these projects are risky for China, too. Even some in China are concerned about that. There were a bunch of top honchos at this Belt and Road Summit in Beijing, but no high-level officials from the Trump administration. That's not really surprising. The U.S. and China have been in a trade war. They can't agree on who should have to pay what to import and export goods between the two countries. Those talks are still ongoing. And while China is trying to rally a whole group of countries to join this project, the Trump administration has been going at trade at a much more one-on-one level. Trump pulled the U.S. out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership deal that President Obama signed with 11 other countries, including Japan and Singapore, but not China. The trade deal was a response to China's growing influence on the rest of the world by giving other Asian countries good trade options besides China. With the U.S. out, China's been forging ahead with Belt and Road, and the U.S. doesn't have anything to combat it. So instead, the U.S. is expressing its displeasure at China's initiative by ignoring it. But other countries, including the U.S.'s allies in Europe, are saying, hey, this actually looks good. Last month, Italy signed on. Portugal and Austria sent top leaders to today's meeting in Beijing. Germany's finance minister said the EU is prepared to join as long as they can join as a group. Today, Britain's finance minister called the Belt and Road Plan a vision and said Britain's committed to making this project work once they leave the EU. So what's the skim? On a global level, this is a major power move from a guy who's used to making them. President Xi got China's government to drop term limits, meaning he can be president for life. It's a return to China's more authoritarian history. At the same time, China's now reaching out to all kinds of countries on this Belt and Road project, authoritarian leaders and democratic governments too. In the meantime, the U.S. has been becoming more isolationist when it comes to trade. Pulling out of major trade deals like TPP, but also threatening to withdraw from the World Trade Organization. And several agreements with the European Union. And picking fights with other major superpowers like China. Some experts say China heading back to the drawing board on trade isn't as big of a deal as what they're trying to do in terms of tech. China's expanding 5G networks, developing artificial intelligence, investing in quantum computing. They say the U.S. should be strengthening efforts to beat China on those levels and not getting distracted by railroads and shipping ports. While China was pulling out the big guns in Beijing, President Trump was speaking to gun owners in Indianapolis. That's next. Dishes in the sink. Laundry all over the floor. And your roommate wants to go on an ice cream run. You've got a choice to make. And you're probably going to choose sprinkles. But you're not the only one. Delta flies to 300 cities around the world. That's 300 cities where people would rather grab dessert with a friend, just like you. And here's the thing. Delta doesn't just fly to 300 cities to bring us together. They do it to show us we weren't that far apart to begin with. Delta, keep climbing.
President Trump was in Indianapolis today and made a big announcement about the U.N. Arms Trade Treaty. And I am officially announcing today that the United States will be revoking the effect of America's signature from this badly misguided treatment. We're taking our signature back. That was at the National Rifle Association's annual meeting. And this treaty sets up the rules for trading firearms internationally. President Obama signed it back in 2013, and the NRA has been against it from the beginning. We will never allow foreign bureaucrats to trample on your Second Amendment freedom. This was kind of a present from Trump to the NRA. They've been huge supporters ever since his 2016 campaign. But just because they've got a friend in the White House doesn't mean everything's been smooth sailing. The organization has had a bit of trouble lately. Before Trump spoke today, a Russian agent convicted of trying to influence American politics was sentenced to 18 months in prison. Her name is Maria Bettina. She had infiltrated the NRA and other political groups by posing as a gun rights activist. Bettina was the first Russian to be convicted of crimes relating to the Russian interference in the 2016 election. Bettina's conviction was not great publicity for the NRA. The NRA is also caught up in two big lawsuits. One is against the contractor behind their media site, NRA TV. In the other, they're accused of abusing campaign finance laws. And the gun lobby has faced a series of losses in Washington in the wake of a number of mass shootings. Last month, the Trump administration enacted a rule banning bump stocks. The House just passed the Violence Against Women Act with a clause that bans convicted domestic abusers from buying guns. And there's been a massive pushback against 3D printed weapons. Recent polls show that a majority of Americans support tougher gun control laws. And all this could come to a head this fall when the Supreme Court hears a Second Amendment case for the first time in a decade. In the UK, 41,000 runners are gearing up for the London Marathon on Sunday. Usually, that means a lot of plastic water bottles. But this year, the race organizers are trying to cut back on plastic waste with seaweed. When runners hit mile 23, a London-based startup called Skipping Rocks Lab is going to hand out edible seaweed pods instead of water bottles. Doesn't exactly sound appetizing, but the seaweed is tasteless, supposedly. The pods are filled with a sports drink, and runners can drink them on the go. If any get dropped or go unused, the pods will biodegrade within six weeks. The London Marathon says just this one water stop will mean 200,000 fewer plastic bottles at the race. It's all part of a bigger movement in the UK to stop using single-use plastics. If you want to know more about the no plastics movement, we have it covered in our latest audio episode of Skim Notes, which you can find on our app. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from the dairy aisle. Royal Cheese. Whole Foods is releasing a limited edition Westminster Royal Mark Red Cheddar. Yeah, red. It's for Harry and Meghan, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex's first baby. It's described as creamy, nutty, and worthy of royalty. But fun fact, this isn't the first new cheese to honor a royal baby. Another place did one for both Prince George and Prince Louis but not for Princess Charlotte. So we're putting out a call. Cheese for Charlotte. 
And that's all for Skim This. Thank you so much for listening this week and don't forget to hit subscribe. We'd love for you to share the show with your friends and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. A lot of news happens over the weekend. So if you want to catch up first thing on Monday, sign up for our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. You can sign up at theskim.com. 